Good morning again. We're getting into a brand new series here, a new series. uh, I guess you could say we're getting into gear with a new series called Shift. And uh, small changes can make a huge difference. As you saw in the little promo video for it, when you just move that stick shift a little bit, uh, you can accelerate a lot. It can make a huge change. I learned how to drive on a stick. How many of you know how to drive a, a stick shift? The rest of these are automatics. Way more in the second service. First service, nobody knew how to drive a stick in the first service. And uh, that's how I learned. And uh, my father taught me in Saint, on the hills in St. John, right, where you get, get jammed in between a couple of vehicles and wait for the light to go green. And you've got to be able to, to, to go. That's how I learned how, how to drive. And uh, the, the graphic that we're using in the series is a six-speed because after today, the next six weeks after today, we're going to unpack the six core values of Moncton Wesleyan, the core values that are going to be driving uh, the culture and help defining who we are as a church. So today's the vision. And then starting next week, we're going to do one core value each week for six weeks. And shift is not just about the church and where we're going. Shift is also about you and your life and where you're going spiritually. And the same thing is true that small changes, the right changes in the right direction at the right time can make a huge difference in your spiritual life. And it might be time for you to get some things in gear in your spiritual life. It might be time for you to accelerate your spiritual formation things that you've been putting off or things that you know uh, need to change and now's the time to make those changes. Maybe this will be a series that God uses to, to get some traction, to get some good things going in your life. Maybe this is a series where you'll actually get your faith out of park Uh, Maybe this is a series for some of you when you'll actually uh, begin a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time. Now, if you haven't already noticed around around Moncton Wesleyan since I've been back for the last couple of years, um, I have a problem. My name is Tim, and I have a problem, and the problem is I like cars a lot. Not as much as baptisms, but really close. Like a lot. And since I was a boy, I had this dream in my head since I, since I was a boy that if I worked hard enough and if I made really good decisions, someday I could actually own a Porsche. For me, that's always been what it, what it it's always been about owning a Porsche. In fact, uh, when we lived in Fredericton, me and a, and a friend of mine, we actually pulled an old, a 1986 Porsche 944 out of a guy's backyard. He was using it as a shed. And it was filled with paint cans and rakes. And he had it literally pushed hard up against a wood pile. And he was using it as a shed. And we pulled it out of this guy's yard and got the thing uh, running. And I ran it for a couple of months. And then the engine completely blew kaflooey all over the place. And and the the stupid thing broke my heart. And... um, you know, and, and, and having this dream of owning a Porsche and then God calling you into ministry is like, yeah, you know, two different worlds, right? Um, and I love driving. I could get in a car right now and head for California and love it and love every minute of it. I love driving. Um, oftentimes when we pull into our neighborhood, the kids say, you know, can't we just keep going? Can we just like go to Ontario or Florida or somewhere? Like we just love, we love driving. We love to travel. Every now and then 
I get be, get to uh, you know spend some time in a in a in a really fast car, small car with a big engine. That's the right combination: small car, big engine, and you know with a stick shift. And I get to you know the rush of adrenaline and acceleration and speeding tickets, and it's so much fun. I just love it. It's awesome. So if I asked you this question this morning, if the church was a car, if the church was a vehicle, what kind of a vehicle would you say that the church is? Or if we went out on the streets of Moncton, if we went downtown Moncton, we just stopped people and said, you know, what kind of a car, what kind of a vehicle would you say that the church is? What, what kind of answers do you think we would get? Like uh, a tank, a Model T, uh, a horse and buggy? Like what would, what would people say? Or if I asked you, what kind of a car, what kind of a vehicle is your spiritual life? then what would you say? How would you answer that question? Gayla and I had a Volvo one time that wouldn't go uphill and blow heat at the same time. (laughs) As soon as it started to go uphill, you got cold. (laughs) The car was like, what do you want? You want to go uphill or you want heat? Because I can't do both. (laughs) It was awesome. But what kind of a vehicle would your spiritual life be? Would it be a putt-putt? Are you burning oil? You need a tow truck. Maybe you're purring along fine. Maybe you're, maybe you're doing great. Maybe you're a Lamborghini and God has you on the spiritual Audubon right now. And you're just like, Pastor Tim, you know, this is just, I'm just wide open right now. You were created to move. And your spiritual life is meant to be moving forward all the time. Growing, progressing, learning, becoming more like Jesus all the time. And the church is meant to move. The church is, is, is a movement. We're supposed to be going forward all the time. Sometimes I, I joke about we're moving at the speed of church. But seriously, church should be, hang on, let's go. Let's do something. Let's run hard after Jesus. Let's empty the tank. This is going to be the ride of your life. You know, I mean, can you see my hair flying in the wind? That's church. Church is supposed to be thrilling. Church is supposed to be exciting. Church is supposed to be, hang on, this is going to be awesome. Church is not supposed to be boring or dead or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. So this morning we're going to look under the hood at the engine that drives the church, and that is our God-given vision. One of the things that, that helped me know that I was called to Moncton Wesleyan And it helped the search committee, and it helped the board, and anyone who was involved in that process. One of the things that was a a big help to all of us in all of that was that my passion, my philosophy, my vision for church was very similar to who Moncton Wesleyan had always been. If you took my ministry DNA and what I feel most strongly about, and you put that over the DNA of Moncton Wesleyan, we had a match. And it was one of the indicators that helped us know, okay, I think we're, we're all, we're in agreement on this, and, we, and we, felt, we felt good about it. We knew that there wouldn't be, you know, like wild seismic shifts in, or wholesale change. We weren't going to try to be, become something that we, we, we never were or something outside of the vision that God has given this church. And so the challenge for us was to find new words, new language, new expressions, new ideas that would define and clarify this, this new season of ministry that we were all entering into. A vision is a, a clear picture of a preferred future. 
And the vision and the culture that you create around the vision drive everything. You see, people give to vision, not to need. Okay? I can get up here like I did a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and I can talk about uh, the price of natural gas and how it went from $7 a giga whatever to $36 per giga whatever and, and how that's been brutal on us this, win- this winter and all of that. And, and those things are true, but the bottom line is you give what you give because you want to see souls saved in Jesus Christ. That's why you give what you give. That's the bottom line because you give to mission to vision, not necessarily to need. Pursuing the vision with, with passion stirs us to worship God with abandon and surrender. When we come in here to worship the Lord and, and worship Him with everything, it's the, the passion around what we're doing and who God is and what He's doing in our church. Uh, it compels us to pray like never before. I honestly hope that you leave here this morning thinking, because I'm going to cast really, really clear vision, and I hope that... In, in a good way, it kind of weighs on you so that you feel like we need to pray about that or Pastor Tim's going to kill himself. Not, not like take my life, but just die trying. Like we need to pray this vision forward. Like we need to, we need to get behind and under the vision of this church and, and pray for this thing like never before. Uh, it's why people sign up to go to the Congo, right? The Congo is not one of the world's great tourism destinations, Okay. Well, it's why people sign up to go to the Congo into Haiti because of, because of the vision. It's the vision that gives us the believability that anything can happen. Moncton Wesleyan, do you believe this morning that anything can happen? Hey! Great response, great response. We will take greater risk uh, when the vision is clear and compelling. We'll get a holy discontent over the right things and we'll stop chirping and complaining over the wrong things. Wag more, bark less. We'll get a holy discontent over the right things and we'll stop chirping and complaining over the things that don't matter. Wag more, bark less. Our text for the vision is pretty much the whole Bible. But we'll, I won't read it all this morning. And a sigh of relief comes over the crowd. I'm going to read from John chapter 1 and beginning in verse 35. And this is just one of several texts that I could have used um, to, to teach the exact same thing here this morning on our vision. But let's read this from John chapter 1 verse 35. The following day, John, this is John the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see. He said, come and see. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. They remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come and follow me. 
Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. And as they approached, Jesus said to to Nathanael, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about about me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And then he said, I tell you the truth. You will see all you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. There's an evangelistic rhythm in this text. There's a pattern in here that we see throughout Scripture. It's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. It's the rhythm of go and tell, come and see. And we see that throughout Scripture. Go and tell, come and see. Go and tell, come and see. And if, if you can just kind of imagine this setting, this scene of what was happening here in the Scripture... You can almost capture the energy of these guys as they, as they meet Jesus for the very first time. And, and then they get, they get excited about meeting Jesus and realizing this is the promised one. This is the Son of God. This is the one that we've, we've been waiting for. This is the, the answer to everything. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You can almost feel them and see them kind of, well, i, yeah, I got to go tell somebody. And they run off and they find someone who really matters to them, someone important. And they say, you you, you, you have to come and see. I've met Jesus, the Messiah. And they, they, they're just convinced about this. They've got a, a passion about this. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, will you just please come and see? And you can almost capture that, the energy that they have around that. You see, we're all evangelists for something. You are, you are. Let me, let me explain to you. You have things in your life that you are so sold on and, and you believe in them so much that you just, it just happens naturally. You just, you just can't help yourself. It just spills out of you, and you talk to people about these things. Um, I was into Banana Republic one day, and they were having a ridiculous sale. And I came back to the church, and I told a few of the girls on staff about this crazy, ridiculous sale at Banana Republic. Five minutes later, they're having a spontaneous lunch break. And here they go with their purses out the door and they completely destroyed Banana Republic, right? I have a guy in Fredericton who, who totally fixed my back. Fixed my back. And I have told everyone about him. I am better than 20 billboards for this guy. I, tell, I, I have people from Moncton who, have, who drive all the way to Fredericton to have this guy fix their back too. Because I was, I was so passionate about that. If you eat something really, really good, if you have a great experience in a restaurant and the food is amazing and the service is amazing, you, 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 you talk about it, you, you tweet it, you Instagram it. You're like, everyone needs to know about this because you, you're passionate. Why do I go on and on and on about Starbucks coffee? Because I love it. I'm crazy about it. I really enjoy it. And you see, you will evangelize people. You will evangelize others towards things that you believe in And you are excited about it. 
Now, gang, come on. Let's think about this this morning. Jesus Christ is the greatest person who ever lived. We have the greatest message ever told. He's the answer to all of life's questions. He's the very reason for living. He's the risen, resurrected, returning, eternal King of Kings. If we can't get excited about who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing in our lives, God help us. We have problems if we can't get excited about Jesus. I wish I could dance. My feet won't move. (laughs) They're stuck. I wish I could, but come on. If we really believe who Jesus is, we should be passionate about that. It should just flow out of us. There should be something about Jesus that we just, we just have to tell people. We can't, we can't keep it in. God help us. God help us. Our vision statement doesn't come exclusively from this text. It comes from the evangelistic rhythm that we see throughout Scripture. Go and tell, come and see. Go and tell, come and see. Jesus reaches out to Matthew while, he, while he's still a tax collector. And Matthew leaves everything to follow Jesus. And then Matthew invites Jesus to his house. And he invites all of his sinner friends to come and see Jesus. Jesus stops by a Samaritan well and picks up conversation with a lady who had a difficult past. And he speaks into her life. And, she, and her eyes begin to open And she sees clearly who Jesus is. And she runs back into the community. And she tells everyone in her community, you have to come and see this man. I've never met anyone like him. He knew everything about me. You just have to come and see this man. And we want to equip you and encourage you to go and tell And we want to give you easy opportunities to invite everyone you know to come and see. Let me repeat that. Okay, we're all the way back. We want to equip and encourage you to go and tell. And we want to give you easy opportunities to invite everyone you know to come and see. So let's put the vision statement up again. If you were paying attention in video announcements, you already heard it. But here it is, the vision statement of Moncton Wesleyan. People, that's us, inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. It's clear, it's concise, and if you really look at it and think about it, it's compelling. So let's break it down. Every time I say break it down in my house, we start singing Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. Every time I say break it down, the kids break it down, we all start singing Can't Touch This. Now you got that stuck in your head. You're welcome. People. People is the first word. It is all about people. Jesus came to seek and to save people. God so loved every single one of us that he sent his son Jesus to rescue us. God is crazy about you and he loves your neighbors and he loves your family and he loves the people who you work with and the people who you come in contact. He loves all of those people who don't yet know Jesus on a personal level. God is crazy about you. We need to love people the way that God loves people. We need to see people the way that God sees people. 
We need to love this city towards Jesus. You need to love your neighbors towards Jesus. We, we don't need to see people as, as projects or to see people as, as quota. We need to see them as souls. And souls are the only thing that is going to make it out of this world. Souls. The souls are what Jesus Christ died for. And we need a greater urgency around this Moncton Weston. I wish I could call up my, my inner T.D. Jakes and really, you know, give this, uh, you know, Oh, something else. But listen, listen, hear me this morning, gang. We need a greater urgency around lost souls. God, help us. God, break us. God, shake us up on this this morning. We need a greater urgency. Now, don't forget, it was the religious crowd that frustrated Jesus the most. It was the religious crowd that disgusted Jesus Right, most of the hard things that Jesus said and that, that, you know, give you whiplash in the New Testament were, were towards the Pharisees and the relig- religious crowd. And he was accused of what? Being a friend of sinners. A friend of sinners. So it's about people inviting. I'll say more about this one in the, one of the upcoming Sundays because inviting is also a core value. It's, uh, it's in our vision statement and it's a core value. We have been an inviting church in the past, but we need to take it to a whole nother level. A whole nother level. We need a renewed awareness of personal responsibility on inviting others to come closer to Jesus. I think what, what, what can happen, this can happen to all of us, this is easy for this to happen. We can think that the facility is going to reach people for Jesus. We can think that, that uh, the Moncton Wesley name or the Celebration Center is going to reach people. You can think that, that, well, it's Pastor Tim's responsibility to reach this city for Jesus. Or the staff are going to come up with some, something just so mind-blowing that, uh, that, that, that people are going to pour in like ants from all over the city. And that's what it's... No, 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 no. We need, every single one of us, we need a renewed personal responsibility. I need to be inviting others to come closer to Jesus Christ. I need to sense a personal urgency and responsibility that the people who I come in contact with, if they don't know Jesus Christ, they are lost for eternity and I can't be okay with that. That needs to bother me. You alright? I don't know if I want you to be alright or not. (laughs) So we need a renewed awareness of personal responsibility on inviting others. Back to the text that we read this morning. John points out Jesus to his disciples. Andrew goes to find his brother Simon. Philip goes to find Nathaniel. Found people, find people. People who know the way, show the way. Why? Because the real Jesus is attractive. That's why. People are interested in the real Jesus. They might not be interested in messed up Christians or religion or whatever they they think that church is, but there's a true pure attraction to Jesus because he is God's son and every lost searching heart wants to be reunited with the creator. All right? So we're going to do all that we can do to help you be more invitational and we're going to make everything we do here more invitational. Okay, the next word is experience. Experience, and this is loaded. 
Come and see means that we, we don't want you to just, just hear about Jesus. We want you to meet Jesus. We want you to encounter him. We want you to get into environments where you can experience the very presence of God. We're more than just communicators of information. We're believers in transformation. Is that right? Okay. From the website to the parking lot, from coffee to kids, from our youth environments to worship services in the auditorium, everything we do at every level is creating environments where people can experience the presence of Jesus. Now, experience can be a lot of things. Experience can be lights. It can be graphics. It can be smoke. It can be volume. Um, It was funny last week when... Uh, Dr. Craig Evans and I walked out on the stage. We were all backstage praying before the services. And for sur- first service, when, when he and I came through that door over there, walked out onto the stage, it startled him. And right away he said, what's the smoke from? Right? He saw all the smoke. And I said, oh, I said, that's, that's haze. Uh, we have to use it for the, for the lighting in here. This is, this is haze. And he said, what is it? What, why? Like, we're standing there talking right over there in the corner. He's like, what, what, why, what? And I said, well, you have to use haze or your lights, the, the, the actual beam of light, you don't see it. It just stops right there at the source. And it's the haze. Like when you see the whole shaft, the whole beam of light, it's the hazers up here that make that look the way that it looks. If you didn't have the haze, it would just be, you know, bulbs on the stage kind of thing. And so I kind of explained this to him. And man, I could just see him. It's like haze in a church. Where am I? Anyhow, you know, just see the wheels turning. It was kind of fun. So experience can be stuff like that, but it can also be culture. Um, experience can be feeling the love of a community. You know how we, when you walk into a room and it feels good? You know how when you walk into the wrong room and you're like, um, I, I, I don't want to be here right now. You ever do that? You ever walk into a tense conversation and you're like, uh-oh. Yeah, I just back away slowly. You know, it's awkward. People can feel that when they walk into Moncton Wesley. And if, if, there's, if this is a place of love and acceptance, they can feel that right away. If, if, if there's a tension, then they can feel that right away. It can also be prayer. There are tangible things we can do, like putting a cup of coffee in someone's hand. But there's nothing more powerful than prayer to help someone experience the presence of Jesus. Let me say that again. There is nothing more powerful than prayer to help someone experience the presence of Jesus. I need, we need everyone praying that God would would draw people to himself. Pray for the conversations that that we will have with people this week as you go out into into this community and you invite others to come and see. Let's pray for those conversations. Pray that God's presence would go before us. Pray that God's presence would fill every inch of this room and every inch of every room in this building, in this facility, everything that we do in here. That every person who comes onto our property would experience the life-changing presence of the living God. That's our vision. Okay? Oh, let me go back to 45, 46. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we found him. We found him. I know where he is. We have found the very person that the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus. He's the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth? 
You know, Nazareth? Exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. Philip goes to find his friend Nate. And Nate is a scoffer, a skeptic. And in, in the little we know about him, we can, we can make an assumption. And I'll just, it's, it's an assumption. I don't know this for sure. But he's probably, uh, you know, a little stubborn, a little set in his ways. And because Philip knows Nate, he knows what he's like. He can probably anticipate the response that he's going to get from his friend Nate. He probably knows when I go to him and say we found him, we found the one that Moses wrote about. And oh yeah, there's another little detail. He's from Nazareth. Philip probably knows how Nate is going to respond to that. Nazareth? Are you kidding me? Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Anticipating a negative response. Anticipating that the first response might not be, Oh, wow, really? Moncton Wesleyan? Like, how soon can we go? Can we go right now? Anticipating a little pushback. Nazareth? Philip goes to his friend anyhow and says, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I hear you. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're saying. I know, I know, I know. But would you just come and see? Would you just come with me? Would you come and see for yourself who Jesus is. You see, people who have never been here, they, if they've never been to Moncton Weston, they can't picture what we do. We should have built the place out of fiberglass, out of uh, plexiglass, everything but the bathrooms. So people could see what we do. They, they can't imagine. And when you invite them to, to church, that often stirs up some negative feelings, right? That painful memories that they have of church. And they're thinking, you know what? I think I'd rather chew on tinfoil or bath a cat than go to church with you. And that's why we do things like the bunny blast. You know, that's why we do those types of events to help people see what we do. And there's another side to, to this that's, that's really more important. It's that people, in one way, they, they, they don't know what we do. But the other side is they don't know how great Jesus is. They don't know how awesome Jesus really is. All they know is a fictional Jesus or historical Jesus or a CNN Jesus. They, their, their thoughts about Jesus are, are, have been tainted. You know, they, they've never really seen the real true Jesus. And part of our responsibility is to live the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. See, yeah, if you, if you, if you believe this, then you've got to live it. You've got to live the difference that Jesus makes in your life so that people can see that for themselves. And then you help others get to a place where they can experience him for themselves. And Philip simply encourages Nathaniel to come and see. When Nate comes to Jesus, Jesus doesn't throw up his past in Nathan's face. He doesn't say, oh, there's the scoffer. There's a skeptic. There's, what do you think about, about Nazareth now, Nate? Say it to my face, you know. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus, when he meets Nathaniel for the first time, he actually says something positive. It's verse 47. As they approached Jesus, Jesus said to Nathaniel, Now, here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. I mean, 
This is, this is huge. Uh, Jesus focuses on his positives. And when Jesus does that, it diffuses everything in Nathan. And Nathan's eyes are open. God doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to love you. He wants to give you a new future. That's what God wants to do. I think people are worried that, oh yeah, go to church. That, that's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to feel worse about my life. Right? I think they feel like if I go to church, people are going to judge me. People are going to condemn me. You know, people are going to, going to just heap this condemnation and guilt on me. Jesus doesn't do that with Nathaniel. And, 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 the, and the blinders are lifted. And Nate's like, there you are. You're Jesus. You know, and, and it's, it's wonderful. Okay, the next word is follow. And I'm going to use Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 for the word follow. It says this. Jesus said to his disciples... If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. For those of you who are walking around Moncton Wesleyan with sonars, trying to, trying to determine how, how spiritually deep is this church, well, here it is for you. We are not a mile wide and an inch deep. We are others wide and Jesus deep. And we will always be clear that following Jesus is, is way more than just a, a check mark on a, on a communication card. It's more than just a, a seasonal nod, you know, at Christmas or at Easter. We want to be clear that following Jesus is radical, it's all in, it's sacrifice, it's surrender, it's abandoned, and we cannot be just a large church full of attenders. We've got to be a growing church full of followers. All right? If you ever hear someone, you know, say, well, oh, Moncton Weston, that's just, a, that's, it's just a shallow church or something like that. Um, do whatever you need to do. God will forgive you. Okay. <laughs> Woo. The last word in our vision statement is the most important. It's Jesus. Come on. It's the most important. It's all about Jesus. Everything we do is for him and about him. And and as your pastor, I want to encourage us all, like we need your relationship with Jesus Christ to be white hot. We need you to, to leave this place every week and to go out into the community and interact with others. And as they see who, what God is doing in your life and you invite them to come and see, then we will do everything that we can do with all the excellence that we can to help those people experience the real, true Jesus and, and, and decide to follow him with their lives. Now, let me tell you why I'm so excited about this. I'm just a little amped up. Let me tell you why I'm so excited about this. First of all, this is not a program. This, is, this, is, this isn't because I went away to some conference and I found this cute... No, that, this, isn't, this isn't it at all. This is not going to change six months from now after I read another book or something like that. This, this is who we are, okay? This is who we are. Secondly, this is from God. This vision is the result of countless hours of prayer Many discussions with staff and board and other key people. And we're excited about this. Now, I have specific numeric goals for us as a church. Okay? And, uh, and, and I mean, we talk about this internally as a staff and as a board. And, and, and we have goals and we have strategies. And, you know, we have things that we want to accomplish 
And I've wrestled with whether or not to share these, these numbers publicly, okay? Because I don't want people to get all hung up on numbers, even though there's a book in the Bible called Numbers. Um, and, and really, several great events in the Bible are recorded with specific numbers so that we could celebrate the magnitude of what God did. Uh, you know, they didn't say, you know, and they brought the fish and the bread and they fed a bunch of people. It says they fed 5,000. And you're like, whoa, wow, look what God did. And so there's something that's okay in all of that. So I am going to share some numbers. And, uh, and I want you to be okay, okay? Hang on. Uh, don't forget, every number has a name. Every name has a story. And every story matters to God. And my motivation for putting seats on seats is putting more souls in heaven. And we exist to depopulate hell, and I intend to do everything that I can do to rescue as many souls as I possibly can. Okay? So, if you're all in on this, if you're with me on this, what I want you to do, this is participation time, what I want you to do, if you're all in on this, we're going to go all in. I want you to take your right hand, and I want you just to reach out your right hand like we're all in like a team. Okay? Come on now. Right hands. Who's with me? If you're not with me, put both hands on your ears and go like this. Okay? But if you're with me, it's right hand in like this. Okay, we're all in. You ready? All right. Okay, thanks. You can put your hand back unless you want to keep it that way. That's all right. Um, Here we go. We currently run around 1,400 people a week total. Okay? That includes kids, teens, nursery, and people who hide in the bathrooms. Go figure. In the next phase, where we're going, the next phase of our vision is to reach 2,000 people a week. That's, that's our goal. That's what we want to do. That's where we're going. All right? To do that, this is what we would need to be doing. Um, we would, our vision is to see 300 teenagers here in the middle of the week. An outreach that reaches gives us an opportunity to share Jesus with 300 teenagers here on their outreach night, which is Wednesday night, the middle of the week. Okay? The second part would be 400 kids on Sunday morning. <laughs> Woo! 400 running around the church on Sunday mornings. And then the third part is you. And 1,300 adults between the two services. 650. Uh, break it down any way you want to break it down. 650 in each service would give us 1,300 adults, and that totals up to... Uh, 2,000 people. For rough numbers, the first service runs, give or take, up and down, 400, 425, something like that. In the second service, you run like 500, 525, up and down, whatever, in, a, in an auditorium that seats over 1,800 people. Okay? Last night, nothing against country music. Okay, really, nothing against country. There was a country concert here, and they sold out every single seat in this place. And I'm happy for them, but I'm disgusted for us. And I think, God, fill every seat with people who want to hear about Jesus. Aye, aye, aye. So after the first service, someone came to me in the lobby and they said, Pastor Tim, let's fill it twice, 1,800 and 1,800 and 3,600 on Sunday morning. So they're great. It's great. I'm all for it. Let's do it. 
So that's, uh, that's the, the, the numbers. And if anyone says to you, well, that month in Wesleyan Church, they're all about numbers. You can do what you need to do and God will forgive you. Okay. <laughs> Yesterday, I met someone here in our lobby who emailed us off of our website. And yesterday afternoon, sitting on one of those white couches in the lobby, I led her to Jesus Christ. Now, I say that because you need to know that, but I also say it's that you'll know that God is working, that God is stirring in people's hearts, that God is, is drawing people to himself. There might be someone here right now who needs to believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior, someone who's never crossed that line of faith, someone who says, so, uh, today's the day, I, I need to go all in. I need to, I need to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. I need to accept him. And today's the day, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer here in a moment, and uh, you can make that most important decision. You'll make a lot of big decisions in your life, but the most important one is who will I serve? That's the most important decision you'll ever make. And I'm going to give you that opportunity. And after we pray... Church, Moncton Wesleyan, second service, we're going to stand and we're going to sing the song, Open Up the Heavens. Okay? I think there was a reference to it in the text that we read. Open Up the Heavens. It's, it's, a, it's a great song that, that has become a, a, an anthem of sorts for us in this season of ministry. And you love to sing it and the band loves to play it. And we're going we're gonna to sing it as loud as we possibly can. And while we're singing, open up the heavens. I, wanna, I want you to picture this place filled with people. I want you to picture the faces of people who you know who are far from God. I want you to picture lives being changed for eternity in this place. Let's pray together. Lord, right now, we pray for anyone who's here who does not yet know you as their Savior. For anyone who's thinking, today is the day, this is the time right now when I need to say, Jesus, I believe that you are God's Son and I want to receive you into my life right now. I'm inviting you to come in and fill my life and I surrender all. I don't hold anything back from you. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be first of my life. I will serve you with the rest of my life. I will follow you wherever you lead, wherever you want me to go. And I thank you, Jesus, that I have this opportunity of grace right now in this moment to, to allow you to, to come into my life, to ask you to forgive me of every sin that I've ever done, to, to wipe my slate clean, to give me a fresh start, to make me a new creation in Jesus Christ today. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity, for coming into my life. And I love you, and I, I will serve you and follow you with the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.